DJ and PK brought to you in part by Minky Couture. The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orm, Sugar House, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. All right, PK, we got news breaking, sort of. During the uh, during the break, it's all over Twitter. <laughs> I guess nothing changes. I thought maybe things had changed, but that's just me being an idiot. Notre Dame in Florida announced a home-and-home football series for 2031 and 2032. Pat Forty tweets it out and says, That's cool, albeit distant. Andy Staples, another national football writer, tweets it out and says, Hopefully the person bringing me jello at the home will change the channel to those games. You know, there was talk that maybe with all the scheduling stuff, stuff would be scheduled on shorter notice and we could get more big games and matchups because you schedule what you think is a big game, but then one or both teams is down and it's not that big a game. What do you think is happening now during the pandemic that will actually change sports for the better? You know, hey, this is the way we've always done it. We had to do it different. It's better. Let's keep doing this. And I think for college football fans, it was kind of cool you know, that it was too short of notice. But if there had been like an extra week's notice for that BYU-Coastal Carolina, that would have been good. It's a game you never think would have been good 10 years ago. Nobody would have thought it. It was impossible to think. Coastal Carolina, I don't think it even moved up at that point. But you get there. Now, it was crazy short notice. But there, if there would even been a, a full week to install a game plan, it was a good idea to have these two teams having big seasons play each other. But apparently we're going right back to the old model and we're going to schedule games 11 years out. Well, I don't know that you can do that, though, without having it be on short notice. Because you wouldn't have it... The evidence that these two teams were good wouldn't be there until you got to where you got. Right. The Coastal Air Carolina is a complete and total newcomer. BYU is not. They're not on the national radar consistently now, but they're still a brand name. I mean, that's why ESPN has got the contract with them in the first place. I mean, if they weren't a brand name, and you can argue, you'd fans, that they aren't a brand name, but just the fact that they actually literally have the contract with ESPN proves that they are a brand name. You can't have it any other way. They're not going to go with some other non-brand name program and have an individual contract with them. It's just not going to be. But Coastal Carolina doesn't have that rep by any stretch of the imagination, so they need to prove themselves. And so if you're, what are you going to do in that situation? You're, suppose uh, you're going to think, okay, we're going to keep that game uh, or that week open in case we're really good. Well, suppose you're not really good. Then you don't have a game. So I think it was a complete and total unique situation that I do not expect to have happen again, and it sounded cool in the moment. It was cool, but that was just like the one time that it was cool. And and they ran, like San Diego State and Colorado put something together. And that didn't really resonate nationally. You know what I mean? It was nice that they played, and, and great, great for them and for the kids involved to have an opportunity to play a game. That's what matters the most, I, I think, for them. They work so hard at it. They want to get out on the field, win or lose. You'd rather, I would think you'd rather play and lose than not play at all. So uh, why not do that? Sure. But I can't see that I had any level of expectation that 
this was going to happen long term. It just doesn't make any sense, and you can't, you just can't do it that way. So what have you seen in sports you think can be kept? Something that is cool. Baseball certainly changed a bunch of its rules. Seven-inning doubleheaders. Looks like we're going to have another year of those. I think a lot of people are thinking, finally, we're going to have the DH in both leagues and have the same rules. Apparently not. <laughs> so that was not sticking around. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. The one thing that just, just doesn't make any sense to me is that the World Series in the parks, I think they should just alternate years. So irregardless of the park. So you can have four games under this set of rules and three games under these other set of rules. That just seems so ridiculous to me. I'd just as soon have it this year we have it, this year we don't. Go that way. Because don't they flip-flop? Yeah, they originally did do the alternating years thing, and then I think there was a complaint, well, some National League rosters aren't built to have a DH, so if you hit the wrong year, you're, you're stuck at a disadvantage for yeah, all but seven then you games. Would, you would know the whole time, though. You would get to September and October, or excuse me, even August, and you think, okay, we got a shot to be in a World Series. Let's go get a DH. <laughs> well, you can, you can cultivate one. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the Dodgers built their roster differently, and there's a bunch of stuff being written in San Diego about the Padres copying the Dodgers as far as it's, it's almost NBA-ish. Instead of having eight-position players, well, maybe not the catcher, but seven-position players who you're planning on playing at least 150 games each, you know, barring injury, and then the catcher, you, you just you can't catch that much, so you got to split that up. Uh, but the Dodgers having guys, uh, multiple position, positionless baseball, you know, and having three guys for two spots, and they can— rotate guys through and they're built to absorb an injury and <clears throat> they can give guys days off, you know, uh, when you have a Saturday night game and a Sunday day game and you can kind of mix that up and not have the fatigue and now the Padres are building the roster that way. Well, you kind of build a DH in at that point. You may not specifically have a DH, but you have an extra guy who you who can hit, who you can just plug into that spot if you get to the World Series, which, you know, the Dodgers often do. Yeah, but every team in the National League wants to have that problem. Right. <laughs> that means so, you're in the World Series. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, uh, that's first world problems here. Uh, and I don't, the, the fans, they don't give a crap about that. Put somebody up there and give them four ABs and see what you can do. And so, you know, I mean, that that's all that matters. And so, uh, I, I think they should get that squared away. But I, 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 don't, I don't know that there's things that could stay. Uh, long-term in baseball. If they want to do these seven-inning doubleheaders, they don't play doubleheaders, though. So they're playing doubleheaders because of the opportunity to make up games. And there was 40-some games that were missed last year. And I think that uh, across the board, only two weren't made up. And they used that seven-inning doubleheader thing. But once we get back to normal, they're not going to have doubleheaders. So that's going to take care of itself. The stuff that I like that uh, it tr- these uh, little bit of mini homestands here with the same team, you know, the Mavericks, mm-hmm. twice. Twice in three days. And I particularly, I love it uh, for college basketball. And maybe this year, college basketball seems to be so far off my radar this year, yeah. more than ever. Yep. And, uh, and maybe that's a lot of it is because of the pandemic. And it's hard, particularly in the Pac-12, it's really hard for me to get excited about the races. 
and who's going to win the conference and all. And uh, because teams that just stop and start, and you're talking about the uh, the Cougars going to have 10 days off. Well, there's been plenty of Pac-12 teams that have had multiple times they've had more than that uh, this season. They how, didn't play. If how they, long was if, ASU down? They were down like three weeks, wasn't it? And they're down right now. Yeah. They didn't play last week. So you got another situation here. So what do you expect uh, on these teams here, especially these teams that bring in these transfers and, and they get one-and-done guys? It's like, oh, forget it. Just go out and play a few games. If you win, great. If you don't, I, I'm not really going to hold you accountable in that way. It, it's it's it, the, the West the basketball here, Oregon's been that way. and, and just like, I, I really can't get into it. So uh, if they can go forward, I like how they play these little uh, two-game homestand deals. That, to me, has generated a little more interest. I mean, like, I would normally not be paying a whole lot of attention in January to Colorado State and San Diego State. But yet when I saw San Diego State blow that lead and Colorado State won, and then the next game, I think it was on a Monday, I paid attention to it because it was fun to see, okay, can this team come back? How are they going to handle after blowing that lead? And I suspect that San Diego State, if they get a big lead, is going to go hammer them, and that's what happened. So it added a little bit of extra intrigue rather than just another game against another team. So if they could do that, that would be fun. I would like that. But I got all sorts of rule changes in sports that I would love to see happen. That have already been tried in the pandemic or haven't even been tried yet? No, they haven't been tried. Like, for instance, if you foul a guy on a three-pointer, it should be three shots, irregardless of whether it goes in or not. Why is it, If I get fouled on a three-pointer, why am I only taking one shot if it happens to go in? No, I should get three shots. That's what the shot is. It should be N3. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you give N2s then? I mean, yes. Some guys driving layup. Yes. Yeah, that would really. Yes. That would really have coaches teaching people not to foul. You would take a lot of the physicality. It, it would just be too big a risk. Well, but I mean, I they'd just yeah, be lecturing fine. guys. Do not foul. Giving up four point plays and six point plays. Free throws don't exactly uh, highlight the great athletic ability of these guys. But to the degree that they get people to stop fouling, that lets the better athletes have more chances to make incredible shots because the defender isn't going to be trying to get away with something. And, yes. And, and you can't blow the whistle every time. It's got to be a judgment call. So they inevitably do get away with stuff. I mean, guys get bumped on shots all the time. I was clean up top. Yeah, you got him with the body. You just don't want to call it all the time so you don't call it. Right. Yeah, it, it makes no sense to me. If I get fouled on a three... You fouled me taking a three. Where's my three shots? If I buy a six-pack, I want six bottles. They're going to give me five. I want six. That's what I'm buying. I take a three-pointer. I get fouled. I want three shots. Change that. In football, you get three chances to kick field goals. That's it. They're like timeouts. You get three. Not per half the entire game. I want to see more offense. I want to see some little dweeb come out there and kick the ball 62 yards. Go for it on fourth down. Give me some drama. Yeah. There's all kinds of statistical nerds out there saying that coaches are way too conservative. And if you do the math, 
They should be going on fourth down for more. And I think it's trending that way slowly, but oh, so slowly. But that rule would just automatically speed it up. Do we want to take the three early in the game? I mean, it's fourth and one here. Why don't we just go for it, save that field goal, try for later? Right. Now, if you get in the formation and fake it, that doesn't count. As one being used? Right. You get three chances. You you can run your kicker out there as often as you want. If you fake it, that doesn't use a chance. Right. Okay. I'm fine with that. Right. I want more strategy, more excitement. This is entertainment. Make it more exciting. Make it so Johnny and Joe and Mary and Jane up in the stands. What's he doing that for? People love that type of stuff. Uh, you need a, you need a one-on-one sit-down with Roger Goodell. <laughs> no one has taken more chances with tweaking the rules. I mean, the NBA has certainly tweaked the rules, but the NFL is just nonstop. I mean, it's really like it's an off-season story. Combine, draft, what rules are they tweaking, preseason. I mean, it just it rolls one right into another. Yeah, and then when you get down to like that 35-yard line or whatever, uh, they – you know, we're kind of no man's land. You know, what do we do? Depending on our kicker, uh, how good is he? Is he on a hot streak? What's his level of confidence? What's the wind? All, all those types of circumstances that factor into it. You got all these things. I'd like it to be more of a of a strategic game. And what do you do? You roll the dice. I mean, that's why gambling is just so huge, right? I mean, essentially, in a nutshell, gambling. If you boil it down. No matter what le- what game part of the gaming that you're playing, it's basically rolling the dice. That's gambling in a nutshell, is it not? Yes, I think it is, right? And then not always. <laughs> You'll handle this. Go ahead. <laughs> you don't have rolling. The, you don't roll the dice on everything. If you're playing poker, you're not rolling the dice. Right. But essentially, it's a big roll of the dice, and people love that stuff. And I'm looking for ways to create more excitement. Especially as we go forward here and the, the amount of entertainment options and what's available to you. Now, I mean, now you can get new release movies at home, not to where it used to be six months, a year or two later. You know what I mean? I do. They've, they've been releasing stuff and like literally the day it's on the theater, it's also available to stream at home over one of the six streaming or eight streaming services or whatever it is. That's, by the way, that's going to irritate me going forward, just to be clear. I'm going to complain about that a lot, so brace yourself for that. About what? Too many streaming services. Everything's spread out. i got to oh, okay, pay so okay, many okay. different things to get what I... Oh, my gosh. Whatever you want. Fortunately, yeah. when in the Super Bowl, when Paramount was... I'm like, another one? It turns out that's just CBS rebranding the one that's already existing. So that's not another new one. My, I get your point. Yeah, yeah but I mean, that, what's going to happen is it, whatever sport you follow, whatever team you follow, none of them are going to end up on the same streaming service. Every, you know, if you want to watch, uh, NBA is going to be on one, right? Baseball is going to be another. The college conferences are going to be spread out all over the place. I mean, it's going to drive us nuts. How about this? TD Cougar come. If you get fouled on a three, you shoot the three free throws from the three-point line. Is that jacking it up too much? That gets a little, that whole idea of shooting free throws on the spot you get fouled. I was going to say, do they get their choice of where they shoot it? Because they can go to the corner and have the quote-unquote shorter. I think his point is if you're fouled on a corner three, you shoot from the corner. But if you're yeah, fouled you're beyond fouled. the top of the key, you got to shoot them straight away. 
an idea. I'm okay with them going to the line to make it a 15-footer. My idea is to eliminate as much fouling as possible, put more, uh, you've got to play defense with your feet and those types of things. Let these guys who are just awesome collectively as athletes, let them have freedom of movement because they can do things that are just right. We, otherworldly. Right. We want the skilled player to show their skill because that's why we're all watching as opposed to watch the goon just beat them up, <laughs> which is right. really – massive oversimplification, but basically what the NBA did when they had their massive rule change and decided, hey, we've got the world's best athletes. Why are we letting these guys bump every cutter that goes through the lane just because Pat Riley said it was a good idea? You know, so they they took away a lot of the contact and that allows the better athlete, the more skilled athlete, the more gifted athlete. You know, I mean, watching, I, I, they showed, uh, when I was watching the highlights, I wasn't watching the Warrior game live, but the highlights I saw, they showed like five angles of Steph Curry's uh, crossover between the legs, forward, backward, and then hit the three to beat the first quarter buzzer. They showed it from like five different camera angles. I watched it from everyone. There, there was no that. part of me that was going to grab the remote and change the channel on that. Remarkably skilled athlete. I want to see him do stuff I can't do. And... Who could do that? There aren't five people on the planet who could do that. And Steph Curry can, so I'll watch it. And I'd also look at one of the things, Jazz do this a lot. If there's a potential uh, disadvantage numbers, boom, they foul the guy right away. Oh, yeah, that's definitely sweeping the league. And that but slows it stops, down the game. It, it slows again the game. It stops fast breaks. That's where you're going to get, you know, some spectacular alley oop and yeah. very. It's it's really common in the NBA. You're right. The Jazz do it a lot. Uh, other That's teams basically do it hack a shack. Yeah, and it's just hey, foul fifty or sixty feet from the hoop. You're at a disadvantage, and they know that eight times out of ten or nine times out of ten, this is going to end poorly. Once in a while, someone misses a layup or dunk, but mostly right. it ends poorly. So just commit the foul. Yeah. Just just in the last game, I think Joe. And Donovan Mitchell both committed those fouls to stop break 60 feet from the hoop. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up next, we're talking jazz. Eric Walden, jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Let me just say, Boom! Time to welcome in Eric Walden, Utah Jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Eric, good morning. How are you guys doing? We are doing well. Not as well as the Utah Jazz, who are doing very, very well, having won four in a row. And 15 out of 16. And here come the Celtics. Are the Jazz really this good? I think they're Jazz fans. You've lived here a long time. You know, Jazz fans wait for the other shoe to fall. Should we wait for the shoe to fall, or should we just accept this is one of the top two or three teams in the league? And maybe they're better than that. Uh, this 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 team is god awful. I hate to break it to you. you know, <laughs> they're just terrible all the way around. Uh, it's all smoke and mirrors, it's a mirage, house of cards, whatever other cliche you want to throw out there. They're just, you know, this record not not sustainable. Not going to last. They're terrible offensively, terrible defensively. They can't rebound. They can't defend. Uh, or conversely, you know. They're pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think fans are. Uh, I think fans are right to be excited this this time. You know, um, what we're seeing out of this team that we haven't seen out of teams in the past is they've they've finally found 
that balance on both sides of the ball. You know, we, we went through all those years of these Quinn Snyder teams where they're a top three defensive team in the league, but uh, couldn't keep up with the Golden States and Houston Rockets of the world. We go through that major retooling, you know, bring in Mike Conley, bring in Boyan, bring in Jordan Clarkson, and they can score with anyone, but they, they overdid it a little bit, and, then, and the defense uh, became, you know, not quite where it needed to be. And this year, you know, we're seeing a team that's been consistently among the top four, five, six in both offensive rating and defensive rating. Uh, they're among the top one or two rebounding teams in the league. They've got a bit of everything. And, and if they can stay healthy, there's no reason why they can't be among those top one, two, three, four teams in the league. So when you're winning at this rate, Eric, it's really just incredible. I don't think anybody's going to expect 15 out of 16 or whatever it might be going forward. But when you look at this team during this incredible run that they have have had, what do you think is legitimately sustainable, not just over the regular season, but what we can expect in the postseason? Well, um, They've got a lot of scoring options, right? So, I mean, you you look at those games that Donovan Mitchell missed the other day, right, or or a week ago, when he was out in the uh, concussion protocol. How does this team fare a couple of years ago if, if Donovan Mitchell is out, right? Like you're pretty much just uh, penciling in two losses right away. So the fact that uh, this team has additional high-level scoring options. We know this team can can put the ball in the basket. We know this team can generate open three-point looks. That's sustainable. Uh, the rebounding is sustainable, right? I mean, on top of Rudy Gobert being just one of the best in the league, they've, they've designed a system now where even though Royce O'Neal is, is an undersized uh, four, if you will, he's averaging you know an incredible number of rebounds. We're, we're seeing despite what Shaquille O'Neal says, we're seeing Donovan Mitchell get involved in rebounding. We're seeing Bogey a little better in rebounding. We're seeing uh, even Mike Conley is posting like a career high in offensive rebounding percentage this year. So that's sustainable. Um, I guess what, uh, what, what concern I have going forward is, you know, this team is still a little turnover prone. And uh, we're, I, I think that's occasionally where we see things go wrong with this group is uh, when they're not taking care of the basketball and when they're not consistently running in transition one way or the other. Um, when they're not doing it defensively, they're, they're giving up too many easy points, right? And we've seen that on a few occasions. And then, you know, you take the game that they had against the Pacers the other day where they're just tired. And, and, you know, you can explain that one away because it's the third game in, in less than four days. But um, they've had situations where, um, you know, they've had that happen where they're not running on offense, even in situations that are more favorable and advantageous to them. And that's when you kind of constantly see Quinn Snyder calling timeouts and saying, why are we walking the ball up the court? Why are we taking our time and not sprinting up court and not spreading the floor and generating these advantages that we've worked so hard to create? So those are probably the problem areas where where you'd like to see a little more consistency. One game at a time is a cliche. They really seem to do that and not worry too much about the streaks. 
and possibly the doubting at the national level. Shaq's the highest example, but there's others that are the most obvious example. But there's other examples out there. Does that keep these guys motivated? Are they really in the one-game-at-a-time mode because they don't seem to hit flat spots, dull spots, and just kind of lose their edge for no apparent reason? As much as any team is in that mode, you know, I, I never fully believe these guys when they're like, we're not looking ahead at all, you know? Like, of course our our attention is fully focused on the Charlotte Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks. You know, it's like no no team's attention is ever fully focused on that. But uh, I will say, you know, up to, up to this point, this team has done a pretty incredible job of, you know, maintaining as much of that focus as they can. You know, we've had, we've asked them on several occasions, you know, hey, what about such and such a stretch coming, you know, coming up in the schedule? What about this team that's lurking? What about that matchup? And, you know, to their credit, they're like, yeah, like we, we know that stuff is out there. We're not going to pretend, you know, that we're so myopic, so singularly focused that we're not aware of that. But, um, it, Conversely, it doesn't do us any good to worry about that if we if we have a slip up against you know the Hawks or the Hornets or or whoever they're playing you know the Pistons that happens to be a uh, a team that's further down the standings you know all of these wins uh, ultimately count the same towards getting home court advantage I don't know if home court advantage is even going to be a thing even by the end of the season or not but. You know, we'll see. And, um, you know, for, for those people who are wondering how they stack up against the top teams in the league, I think we're going to find that out over these next two weeks, right? Yeah, that leads me right into directly into my next question because they do get a heavy dose of this Western stuff. So do you think – I try not to overplay one game on a game-by-game basis because in the playoffs, even if you win – in the regular season, you still got to beat. Say you beat the Lakers coming up, and they've already beaten the Clippers. You got to beat them four times. But collectively, uh, are you putting a little more stock into these games here in these next couple of weeks? Yeah, you can't not, right? I mean, these are, these are the games that that um, really kind of give you an indication of, okay, is is this team legit? You know, a lot of people have been saying well, you know, it's easy to win 11 games in a row when you're playing the teams they were playing, which I don't think that was necessarily true. I don't think that was necessarily fair. You know, you had the Bucks in there, you had the Nuggets in there. Um, Andy Larson, who I work with, took a look at that schedule, and he's like, you know, that that was a perfectly league average schedule they played during that time. But at the same time, you do want to see – how they compete against the top teams in the league. And I mean, they've had a few of those games already. They've, they've beaten the Bucks already this season. You know, they've beaten their one-on-one against the Nuggets, but they've got a Celtics team coming in tonight that's good. You've got the Bucks following that. Uh, the Miami Heat have not been great this year, but they're a team that made the finals last year. So who knows? Sixers coming up, two games against the Clippers in a row, uh, a rematch with the Hornets, and then, and then the Lakers. Yes, yeah, like, we're going to learn a lot about this team during that stretch. And um, I guess the thing I would say is let's not overreact one way or another. You know, if, if they come out of this winning more than not, you get definitely confirmation, I guess you would say, that, that this really is one of the elite teams of the league. And if maybe they struggle, uh, 
against this against this slate, you know, then maybe you take a step back, you reevaluate. Uh, at the same time, you know, teams go through bad stretches, and and it would be understandable to go through a bad stretch against that slate of teams. So even if uh, even if they're less than perfect during this stretch coming up, I would say I think this team is is good enough and quality enough and has the right mix of personnel and, and skills that um, you wouldn't need to get too critically upset, even if uh, they, they weren't perfect during this coming stretch. Well, good luck with that, with people not reading too much into it, because people are dying yeah, I know. to read Every, something into it. Everyone's rational when it comes to sports <laughs> and the jazz in particular, right? Exactly. That's exactly what we've learned. Total rationality at all times. Yeah. Uh, and as long as we're being rational... Uh, there's a lot of rational Jazz fans who the reason they're worried is not because of the Jazz. What they're worried is that the Jazz are a half game in front of the Lakers, and the Lakers are coasting, and LeBron will take it to another level in the playoffs. And right now it's just, yeah, I mean, I'd rather win than lose, but let's, let's not get carried away with this. Uh, because he, he can afford to be rational because he's been to the mountaintop multiple times, and he knows what it takes. How much do you buy into that line of thinking? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a pretty valid line of thinking, you know. I mean, uh, LeBron is the gold standard in the league right now, you know. They're, the Lakers are the defending champs. Um, they had the best record, at least. I forget if it was in the entire league or, or just in the Western Conference last year. I want to say the Bucks had the best record and the Lakers were the best in the West. And then they went out and all they did was had Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell and and, and you know, Mark Gasol and uh, kind of a murderer's row of talented basketball players. So, um, and and then on top of that, they've still got that Anthony Davis guy to go along with LeBron James. So, uh, it's a completely valid concern. You know, the Lakers should be considered the favorites going forward until someone knocks them off. And you know, on top of that, this was a this was the one team that Dennis Lindsay came right out and said we did not match up well against them. You know, that, the Lakers were the primary reason that he went out and made Derek Favors his, his top free agent acquisition. You know, I mean, obviously they needed an upgrade over Tony Bradley and, and Ed Davis, and uh, Favors is going to help throughout the regular season against the whole uh, assortment of teams um, backing up Rudy. But the Jazz were just too small to viably, you know, kind of compete with the Lakers. The Lakers threw him all sorts of matchup problems. So we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot to that. You, know, you, you look at the games that the Lakers have played, and there's not been a whole lot of them up to this point where you're like, they are, you know, they're in top gear at the moment. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how the Jazz match up against them. And ultimately, you know, you're right. It's, it's going to come down to can they beat them four times in the playoffs, and and we'll see. I think right now, barring a catastrophic, catastrophic number of injuries, I think in the short term, the only thing that's going to slow them down would be an injury to go bare because I think that he is the most indispensable player on this team. Now, favors can step up but then you don't have anybody who can step up for favors. So, to me, it's critical that they keep Gobert out on that floor as much as possible. How do you see that? Right, right. You're, uh, yeah, couldn't agree more there. Rudy is, I, I was speaking with a, 
I was speaking with a guy from a radio station in Vancouver last night of all things, and, and he's asking me about various guys on the jazz and, and you know, who's kind of quote unquote most valuable. And, you know, we got to talking about Rudy and the national perception of him. And, you know, I, I mentioned to him, look, Rudy is one of these guys who looking at the numbers on, on, you know, a website or a, or a spreadsheet or whatever does not do him justice. He's a guy who, if you don't watch him play, night after night, game after game, you can't truly appreciate the impact that he has on this team on both sides of the court. And yeah, you know, Fave is a, is a great backup, but ultimately he is the backup for a reason, which is that Rudy is, um, you know, a superstar defensively and an incredible screen setter and rim roller and, and lob threat offensively. And yeah, if they lose him, uh, it, it's game over and they're screwed. Um, you know, beyond that, I guess the the one A right now would be let's see how they look without Mike Conley. You know, the offense kind of bogged down in Indiana the other day uh, with with Don and Joe running things solely. Um, you know, even though even though Donovan got nine assists or ten assists or eleven assists, I think he was the one rebound short of the triple double. Right, he wound yeah. up with eleven assists. Yeah, but we still had. We still had moments where they were kind of slogging through the offense. Now, how much of that was the schedule and being tired in the early start? Those are all potential factors. Uh, I'm curious with Mike out again tonight, you know, what the offense looks like and how highly tuned it's, it's running. So, because um, Mike's been incredible this year. You know, he's been everything this year that Jazz fans were hoping he would be last year. And so if he's out for an extended period, with this with this hamstring uh, issue, then you know that's potentially trouble as well. Eric, we appreciate a few minutes as always, and we will talk to you again later this season. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, guys. Happy to talk to you anytime, except maybe PK. Oh, him I have to him I have to limit myself. I can only take you in small oh. doses. Is that because you got a large <laughs> dose at the trip back in the day? Exactly. I'm still. I mean. When did you leave, PK? You know, I've never left <laughs> in that way. I think I'm still around, but technically well, I left in 2000. That's, that's what it feels like sometimes, and this is where I never my left. Issue comes in. Yeah. No, actually, Eric and I go back to I trained him. He was at my feet when he was uh, working for the student newspaper at the U. So a lot of the success I think you can contribute directly to my tutelage. Yeah, so anyone out there uh, who who has a feeling about me one way or the other, um, it's it's PK's fault. So there you go. <laughs> Nothing's on you. All the credit and all the blame goes to PK. Exactly. I'll take the blame. There you go. All right. Eric, we appreciate a few minutes. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. You can follow Eric on Twitter at TribJazz. He's got the at TribJazz handle right now. Eric Walden, jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. We're taking a break. Coming up, John Corrales, host of Locked On Celtics, will join us in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Apparently, there is a bowling alley having a naked bowler night. What a surprise Jeez. you picked this story. Well, it's uh, unusual. There is one particular item of clothing that everyone must wear. Bowling shoes. Boy, that's one time know? you don't want to see Harry pick up the 7-10 split. <laughs> 
You have a one-track mind. You know that? How do I have a one-track mind? This is an unusual event. What sport would you most prefer to, uh, to, to, no, to play I'm not, naked? I'm not participating. <laughs> what about naked axe throwing? <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. A lot of news out there today. The Jazz and the Celtics tonight. The big game. The big game last night. BYU lost to Gonzaga. And PK, they didn't answer the bell. Those first four or five minutes, yeah. they get down 15-2. to two. The big guys, you know, Dave Rose... Recording the wisdom of Dave Rose this morning. Excellent career advice to us. You got a nice thing going here now. Don't screw it up. <clears throat> and then what he said about Gonzaga a long time ago. They not only have the best big, they have the best two bigs. Sometimes they have the best three bigs in the league. The quality and the number of BYU big guys who can contribute is up. But there's a difference between contributing and having a really good game against the best team on the biggest stage. And three big guys who at different times have done stuff for the for the Cougars, they were combined 2.7 rebounds, one assist. Just really nothing from three guys combined. You know, and they don't all get to play big minutes, but across the game, the three of them combined had enough minutes to do better than 2.7 rebounds and an assist. And I know the 19 turnovers is an easy thing to go to, and it was definitely a big problem in the game, but I'm, I'm not convinced it was the biggest problem. Both those things were enormous problems, and the reason BYU ended up losing that game by 11. Well, I think they were intimidated right from the start. I mean, it was 15-2, to two, was it not? Yep. Was, and I texted Yock, well, let's just go to bed. Yeah, right. We all thought that. Well, and, then, I mean, uh, we, and you were right. Go ahead, it, it bore out the rest of the game that they never got within, was it eight was the closest they got the rest of the game? Yeah. And it was just completely and totally inexcusable. Your home floor, you know Gonzaga's a really good team. Let's just take nothing away from them. I mean, they've got so many weapons. Mark Few is just unbelievable. They ought to just name that Few University uh, the way he's been. He's built a, a program. I mean, you talk about the model of consistency. I think he's in his 21st, 22nd year. Every freaking year, every freaking year they've been in the NCAA tournament. It's just absolutely amazing uh, that what, what he's been able to do. And they've gotten better. They're not just a nice, cute program up there in the Northwest out there uh, in the middle of nowhere. No, that's not it at all. They're legitimate national power. And they bring in guys. Who was it? Uh, Farnham was talking about all their guys. Um, listen, some NBA guys. There's a bunch of guys that I even forgot. Uh, now, you know, some of them, they haven't really. It, it reminds me of what uh, Lute Olson had, uh, where they put a slew of guys into the NBA. None of them are really big-time stars, but they play well together at the collegiate level, and that's what Mark Few's job is to win these college games here. Uh, you look at a kid like a Kispert. Reminds me, he reminded me of like a sort of a right-handed uh, Chris Mullen a little bit. But BYU, I was thoroughly disappointed that they didn't answer the bell. I didn't necessarily expect them to win, but to get down like that two, three, four minutes into the game before the first media timeout was bitterly disappointing. And if you want to look at their big guys, well, you look at the box score, and they didn't do jack. You know, they got a couple of big guys that are out. Uh, maybe that could have helped Baxter being probably mm-hmm. the uh, first and foremost guy, but it seems like he's been injured uh, his entire uh, college career here, and that sucks for him, obviously. But, yeah, I agree with you. They just didn't compete to the level that I felt they needed to compete at 
to give themselves a chance. And maybe, you know, last year they had a slew of leadership. They that might Mark Pope could coach at BYU for another twenty five years. I mean, he never have the type of leadership that he had last year. It's so unfortunate that they didn't get to show it when they got into the NCAA tournament because they had a ton. And right now, uh, you know, who is it? Is it Barcelo? Okay, but who's augmenting him? I don't really know. I mean, I, I, Loner has just impressed me big time. The guy's a player. And BYU basketball fans, you got a great opportunity to look forward to him doing his stuff and getting better the next couple years because he's going to do that for sure. And it's somewhat disappointing that they really didn't have anybody backing him up, Barcelo, as far as that goes. I don't know that I can expect a freshman right now to do it. But they didn't really show enough guts at the start of that game, and that bothered me. All right, DJ and PK, John Corrales, host of Locked On Celtics, Locked On NBA on the Locked On Podcast Network, joins us next to talk Jazz and Celtics tonight. Stay with us.